Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful either Monday morning or Sunday evening, depending when I get this out? I just got back from Steelers Family Fest, which is a four-hour get-together at Heinz Field, the last open practice to kind of wrap up training camp. I did a four-hour broadcast from the press booth in there. It was a good time. And now, like I'm going to do every Monday, I'm going to have I have Lauren Cox on from Locked On Bears, and you absolutely have to check out his uh, his podcast as well as the rest of the Locked On Network. And we'll probably do a couple others today. So, Lauren, how is things going for you and the Bears? Hey, you know, it's it's going well for me, and I've been enjoying this new Locked On NFL weekly lineup, and excited to finally be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely, bud. Um, I picked the Bears as a team I really wanted to talk about. For several reasons. I mean, there's not a ton. I mean, surprisingly, after two games in the books for every team, there's not a massive amount of news out there. There's not a massive amount of injuries or terrible things that have happened to teams. But there's two of note with the Bears, and the last I saw that was still uncertain, but I think they're significant, and that's Adam Shaheen got carted off, was it last night or the night before, and Leonard Floyd's dealing with something. So... I know you probably don't have a ton of information on these two, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on the players, how this might affect the Bears going forward. Well, so the the latest as of Sunday afternoon okay. was for Ian Rappaport said that they, they suspect on the initial test that Shaheen has a low ankle sprain, which is significantly better than the, the high, high ankle sprain. And uh, from what we heard after the game, the Bears weren't, overly concerned that either one had a, a quote-unquote fracture of anything, so that's a good. It was a hand injury, I believe, for Leonard Floyd. As far as impact on the team, the Bears have a lot of depth at tight end. I mean, they signed Trey Burton, mm-hmm. brought back Deion Sims. I think there was a lot of excitement for what Shaheen could do in year two, but in terms of his actual impact on the offense, they'll be fine if he does have to miss time, although sounds like he is expected to be ready for week one. And then with Leonard Floyd, it's kind of the same old story with him, that entering year three now for him, he's been injured all three of his years, hasn't played more than 12 games in a season, I believe it was, 12 during his rookie year and 10 last season, and now we're kind of back in the same question mark of, okay, can he stay healthy and can he put it together? Because the defensive coordinators kind of talked about how you know it's not only the missed games, but it's the missed practices, and he's not getting that yeah. extra development time in the defense, and so... You know, this was the year everyone's looking for. Year three, healthy Leonard Floyd put it all together, already starting off on the wrong foot, or I guess the wrong hand right now. <laughs> right, well said. And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because the quarterback situation side, which we know what that is, and I'm not talking badly at all about Trubisky, but he's a work in progress. He's a second-year guy. The area of this team that I have the least confidence in is the edge pass rush, and that directly correlates to, hey, I mean, what kind of player is Leonard Floyd right now? How trustworthy is he? Is he a true number one that he was drafted to be? Is he more than just a flexible, explosive athlete that's good at jumping the snap and attacking you know, with speed? Can he be an every-down player? Can he be reliable? Can he stay on the field? And, you know, if I were to bet right now, and obviously a bazillion things will change, it wouldn't shock me at all if their if their number one offseason need is edge pass rush. Yeah, and there's a reason why they keep kind of getting moved up in these 
you know, loose Khalil Mack rumors that don't really have oh, purely speculation more than an actual rumor that they, they just Let's have address a, a that ma- first. I mean, I, I, yeah. I was going to touch on that too. I mean, this is an active team trying to re, you know, change the culture. I mean, he's been rumored to green Bay, but the bears could certainly use them, but we're not playing fantasy football here either. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to take <laughs> what multiple first round picks to probably get him. And, I mean, the Bears do have ammo, but the question is, and then I guess they have the cap space too, but you yeah. know, this is clearly not a team that's shooting for the Super Bowl in 2018. This is a 2019 and beyond as far as real contention, still pushing for a playoff spot, but probably unlikely to happen this year. So, you know, if you trade for Khalil Mack, you're, you're, you're obviously investing a long-term contract in him and trying to get it there, but you're not getting your real big return on investment right away in year one because you, I mean, you don't need him necessarily for 2018 you need him for 2019 and beyond so I mean I think when you have the chance to land one of the best pass rushers in the NFL you pretty much pay whatever cost you can I mean there's no there's not really off the field issues with him besides you know being upset for the contract no legal issues and you know he's a proven pass rusher as a 3-4 outside linebacker if he's if he's on the market and I'm the Bears you absolutely go out and get him because where right now with Leonard Floyd hurt uh, Aaron Lynch has been sidelined for all of training camp and all of the preseason. Your top two pass rushers, if those guys are out, are Sam Acho, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, and then last year undrafted rookie free agent Isaiah Irving out of San Jose State. I mean, they've, they've got really nothing right now without those two guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and get somebody off the waiver wire at the end of the, the 53-man roster cutdown. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mac is somewhat pie in the sky, and he's been rumored to the, the Packers, who have two first-round picks in next year's draft, but it's Green Bay's and New Orleans pick. I mean, Chicago's probably going to be picking much earlier than those two teams. And, you know, you can sweeten it with something else. Like you said, they have the cap space. Unlike a team like Green Bay, they're not going to be paying their quarterback 20, 25, $30 million. Um, And maybe you don't win the Super Bowl there this, this year with them, but if you can add a defensive player of the year type guy at your biggest area of need... And then we're talking about Floyd as a number two. I'm interested, at least. And it's I can see where if you're Bears general manager Ryan Pace, you know they traded next year's second round pick already this year to get another second round pick and take Anthony Miller. Right. So true. If they trade next year's first, then they don't have a pick till the third round. And if you're trying to build this team up through the draft and you know do it the right way and get your young guys in there and kind of you know young roster build from the ground up, I can see where you'd be hesitant to necessarily give up your first two picks for the next draft and you know two first round picks beyond that so you know I can see where that concern would come in but I'm with you 100% that defensive player that your candidate kind of trumps all that yeah right I mean he's just special enough a player that we'll we'll scrap our original plan and instead of drafting an edge rusher at 10 or 12 overall next year we'll have Khalil freaking Mack (laughs) <laughs> He's a sure thing. And right. Picks are a crapshoot. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And like you said, I mean, I have a lot of worry about the rest of that position, and that includes Floyd. Yeah, it's going to, they're going to be a team that even at full health is relying on their defensive linemen, particularly Akeem Hicks, sure. who led them in sacks last year. And, you know, they got Jonathan Bullard, a third round pick from a couple years ago out of Florida, who's, they're still kind of waiting for him to have that you know, put it all together type season. They've got some other guys, you know, Eddie Goldman can get a push sometimes, but, you know, I think it's going to require creativity with, you know, Roquan Smith being a, a pretty effective blitzer from the inside linebacker spot and, you know, getting some creativity with Trevathan and bringing defensive backs, you know, and when, when your defensive coordinator is forced to 
bring players from elsewhere to get the pass rush. You leave yourself limited in coverage on the back end and fewer guys back there or just more moving parts can can take something away from that end. So it's far from an ideal situation, even at full strength. No, no, I think you're 100% right. But I I think the secondary is better than people think. I think you have some potential good blitzing second-level players. And, you know, I, I I don't think that they'll be hurting for pressure but I just think what could be if Floyd develops or if you were really strong at that position. Yeah, I mean, people are looking for Floyd to be a 10-sack guy if he could stay healthy for 16 games. And with Aaron Lynch, you know, he had his success early in his career with the 49ers with Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Reunited there again, the hope was that he could emerge as a potential starting quality outside linebacker and give you a handful of sacks. And, you know, Sam Acho always been a pretty consistent all-around player, but never a a big-time pass rusher. So, yeah, really just looking for some kind of consistency and looking for an unproven player to prove something this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to switch gears to the offense quickly, and if there's anything else you need to touch on or any news, please just throw it out there. Um, The Shaheen injury worried me originally because I'm I'm very high on him, and I know he couldn't be any more different than Burton who, by the way, looked really, really good this past week. I want you to mention that, that situation. But I think those two have a chance to be an extremely potent and one of the best tight end groups in the league sooner than later. Yeah, it's funny. Like, the way this was supposed to set out, you know, a lot of people are high on Shaheen, but he was probably going to be your third tight end at least at the beginning as he kind of continues mm-hmm. to advance. And the parallel that was being drawn was the Philadelphia Eagles, actually, that Adam Shaheen was going to be the Trey Burton of the Bears offense. And Trey Burton would kind of be the, you know, the Brent Selleck and then uh, Deion Sims would kind of be Zach Ertz and, you know, be able to utilize all those tight ends and, and get playing time and, and snaps and targets for all three of those guys. And now with Shaheen, I mean, you take away your number three and, and maybe not even take away you know they're they're obviously pretty darn comfortable with Trey Burton. He's looking like everything they thought he would be and more. And you know, proving so far why they invested that big contract in him. I'm certainly expecting a good seven, eight hundred yards, maybe, and and six or seven touchdowns as well from him. And clearly looking like one of Mitchell Trubisky's favorite targets early on. And then Deion Sims has always kind of been a disappointment. You know, known more for his blocking, but hasn't really consistently done that even in Chicago and certainly not a great receiver and not really uh, phenomenal at separating. But this is an offense with a lot of versatile weapons with Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel and then Allen Robinson as the number one. I don't think they're too concerned about their tight ends and and the depth there, but I think the more that they have, the more Matt Nagy's going to want to use them and, you know, try and create those personnel matchups with heavy personnel against maybe a base defense and then spread it out and, you know, work from there. Yeah, well, I I certainly agree with you that Shaheen probably comes in third on that depth chart, but I also think Sim, or you know that that Sims is just a very low ceiling guy. You know what he is. If you are thinking big picture, especially second half of the season, get Shaheen on the field much more. Sims would be a really good three, you know, and Shaheen <laughs> could be a really good two and very different than Burton. And what I wanted to end on, unless there's anything else you want to bring up, please do. If you were to, I know this is a tough question, but if you were to divide up the receiving pie in Chicago, you know, is Robinson going to get, if they, if they throw the ball 600 times or 500 times, you know, what percentage of the pie do you think they each get? Or maybe an easier way to ask this is, if you were to guess 
some sort of production for each pass catcher here. Who do you think the leading receiver will be? Who's two? Who's three? Because like you said, there's a lot of interesting ones with very varied skill sets. Yeah, I think we're still going to see Allen Robinson be that true number one receiver. You know, a thousand yards and close to double digit touchdowns and still kind of your leading target guy and your leading catch guy just because he's so talented. And so, you know, just kind of clearly, I think, a a step above everything else. But from there, it definitely becomes cloudy. And I'm tempted to kind of put Trey Burton as just the number two passing option as far as like where he would go. I don't know for sure that he will be the second most productive. I mean, he might have the second most touchdowns, but maybe not the second most yards or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I... Then, then for me, it's like Anthony Miller, the rookie, might be three there. That I think they're really kind of stashing him this preseason. And Dude, not he's a favorite sure. of mine. I mean, I might even oh, pick yeah. him for two. I mean, I really like that guy. Yeah, they're they're starting him out as mostly a slot guy, but they're you know they haven't been playing him a ton. They haven't been throwing him a ton of passes, and I think they don't want the rest of the NFL to see what they're going to do with him and how good he's going to be. But he's been by far the biggest standout in training camp. That Every day it's you hear about great catches that Miller made and great separation he's getting on his routes, and I really think he's going to be right up there. And then Tariq Cohen out of the backfield, but mostly at receiver. I mean, through three Bears preseason games, Tariq Cohen has not carried the ball in a game. He's oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, right. a that's receiver. three games, that's not two. Yeah, and he didn't play in the Hall of Fame game, so I mean, he huh. got okay. maybe one snap in there. But, you know, still... He, he has not been a ball carrier yet. He's played a lot at running back, but just not a ball carrier yet. So he's going to be a pretty critical receiver. And, and I think he and Taylor Gabriel will ultimately see a similar amount of production. I mean, there, there's some ceiling there for Gabriel to play more of that Tyreek Hill role, but he hasn't proven yet to that he can be a Tyreek Hill level receiver. I think you're going to see just kind of some more Cohen-like I don't want to call them gadget plays, but mostly just setting him up for plays after the catch and not really truly, you know, taking the the attention of coverage and establishing himself as a true top receiver. So for me, it's it's Robinson Burton and then Miller and then kind of Gabriel Cohen. And then maybe you'd throw Shaheen there next if he's there. I'm not really expecting Kevin White to to hold a shoe in this race or anything, but you know, they've, they've got, How's he doing? I mean, what's positions. White up to? Is it, is it, is it done for him? Does he look all right? Is he in the mix? Are they counting on him at all? Do you think White has a chance? So he continues to kind of sit, like fourth on their unofficial depth chart but boy it has not been a very good preseason for him you know it's not only just that he's been slow to to understand the offense and but even when he's got the ball in his hands he just doesn't look as explosive as he did at West Virginia and just doesn't he's not playing like a seventh overall pick that's just finally healthy and finally putting it all together like there's there's some more I think mentally that he's still trying to figure out about playing in the NFL and just he hasn't had enough even practice reps and just healthy time around the team to develop individually as a receiver you know he'll probably stick on the 53-man roster and kind of be their fourth or fifth wide receiver on the depth chart because his contract's already fully guaranteed anyway but not expecting him to really hold much of a role or produce a ton in the offense yeah it's a shame I mean it really is I mean he was a really promising guy of course my last note to you and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you or, you know, challenging your expertise on this guy. Oh, bring it. But I think you <laughs> might be a little low on Mr. Cohen. I mean, he seems like the typical guy to me that won't be a preseason star. But when the season hits, you're going to go, oh, they had plans for him. You know, like, I think he's a pretty special playmaker. 
And I, I, I think he might be higher on that pie chart than we were than than you said. Yeah, and and you might be totally right there. I mean, he's 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 a wild card. Yeah, and right. Those wild cards can be. I mean, he could be the. He could be a real surprise eight nine hundred yard receiver all of a sudden and kind of surprise sure. a lot of people. But Young so quarterback's many, best friend type. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many receivers to, to go around, and I think he Tariq Cohen had like uh, seven hundred yards from scrimmage last year and fifteen hundred for all purpose when you include his return yards. I mean, he he knows how to make plays with the ball in his hand, and I think the Bears want to get him more involved. But it's like when you have Allen Robinson as a bona fide number one, mm-hmm. and then Trey Burton as your kind of safety blanket tight end, then how much can your next receiver produce? And I think the difference between Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, and Tariq Cohen might not be humongous, but uh, you know, trying to separate exactly how those three goes out is definitely going to be uh, neck and neck. No, I hear you. Um, Lauren, anything else to report? And please tell everyone where to find you on Twitter and, of course, the Locked on Bears podcast. Yeah, the only other major storyline, at least offensively, is kind of what's going on on the interior offensive line that – Cody Whitehair is back at center, and he's had some trouble snapping out of the shotgun. And that was an issue a little bit last year, and it's lingered, and he's like trying a new snapping technique. And we still saw a couple inaccurate ones, So, but they, but they insist that they want to keep him at center, and then they drafted James Daniels in the second That's round. That's weird to me. I apologize for interrupting, but no, the course. second they drafted Daniels, I thought, leave Daniels at center, where he was really good in college. Whitehair was a tackle that was projected to go to guard that got forced in the center. And I really think in the end, he's best at guard. So when they drafted the center, I was like, oh, perfect. This all lines right up. And then I feel like they're playing two of them in their second best position. Yeah. So like they went in saying, you know what, we're going to play James Daniels at both positions and kind of figure out where we think everybody's best. But the weird thing is they insist Cody Whitehair at center. And they're insisting James Daniels stays at center. That they're not hmm. they're not putting either one at left guard right now. And it's it's a weird thing. I know Matt Nagy had some quote about how, you know, you don't want to mess around with your center because your center's almost like having a quarterback because of, you know, the calls he has to make at the line of scrimmage. I and was kind thinking of that too, is there. they don't they don't trust the rookie in you know, to really orchestrate the quarterback the line. Yeah, but then I don't know why but- he he isn't filling in at left guard at the very least that they continue mm-hmm. to they had him do some left guard but he was like you know third string at training camp for that and he's the backup center right now and they're rolling with Eric Cush who I, I don't think a lot of your listeners will know who that is he's their right. starting left guard right now and former Cardinals guard Earl Watford who has been fairly bad through a lot of his career he's kind of competing there too but it's a weird situation and it feels like at some point they're going to be forced to move Cody Whitehair or move James Daniels and the sooner they do it, the better off their offensive line is going to be. But they continue to kind of put it off, and we'll see what this starting lineup looks like week one. Yeah, I was just about to predict that I bet when it all settles, and maybe it's a month into the season, Whitehair does go to guard and Daniels goes to center, and it pays off. And you wonder why they didn't make that same decision five months earlier, you know? Yeah, I mean, unless they just <laughs> don't trust Daniels yet to make the play calls, but we still see you as a long-term center. So we don't want to mess with you. We'll leave you at center, and soon we'll move Cody. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to make excuses for him here, trying yeah, to get in their heads. It, it, it's it's weird. It, with just as much like when they drafted James Daniels, they said, you know what, we want to get our starting five in place as soon as we can, so they can all work together at their positions and and be ready to go for the regular season. Yeah. And uh, two preseason games left, and we still don't know. Yeah, right. Uh, Lauren, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so uh, the podcast, of course, is Locked On Bears here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My Twitter handle is at 
Cox Sports One. It's like Fox Sports One, but with a C. That's ah, easy to remember that way. Um, yeah, and uh, Lockdown Bears has a Twitter account, Facebook page too, and plenty of ways to keep get involved there. Uh, I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus. I do some writing at the Wire Network or the Bears Wire, and all sorts of good stuff. Plenty of Bears and NFL talk to be had on Twitter and elsewhere. Very cool. And just a programming note: you mentioned Pro Football Focus. Uh, Mike Renner will be on with me starting this Wednesday for every foreseeable Wednesday after that. So just wanted to tell my audience that to reassure him because he was back last year. He was there last year, and we had a lot of fun together every Wednesday. So yeah, I'm good good pals with Mike. We met up a couple times in Cincinnati where they're headquartered. He's a good dude. Yeah, I've never met him in person. I saw him on TV, but <laughs> that's about it. But <laughs> very it. cool. It'll be fun on sun- on Wednesdays for sure. Lauren, you're the man. We will get together on more Mondays going forward. I absolutely promise. And the Bears are a very interesting team. It should be a fun season either way. Even even yeah. if they finish five hundred, they'll still be a fun team along the way. Oh, even if they finish five and eleven, they could be a very fun team and a much <laughs> improved team and going the right direction. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, and everyone. We will. I will get back to you in the very near future. All right. All right. We are back with. Locked on Patriots host, Mark Schofield. Mark, how are you? Great to chat with you on the Locked on NFL podcast. Matt, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, my friend. I hope things are well. Things are going well on this end. Although, a little down. You know, we lose Isaiah Wynn to a season-ended injury. That's a little tough, but life goes on. Yeah, that's. I have like three questions for you. I know both of us are pressed for time, and that was the heart of it. You know, I love this prospect. Guard or tackle, whatever. Figure out a spot for him. When the Patriots took him, I'm like, oh, man, they'll figure out exactly how to use this guy. How does it affect the O-line? I mean, we know that's an extremely well-coached unit and team overall, but you lose your first-round pick. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's, there's going to be a twofold impact on this team, man. And I'm with you. I love this kid coming out of Georgia. I loved seeing him down in uh, at the Senior Bowl, seeing him up close down in Mobile. He Look, he was a left tackle in the SEC, so obviously he can still play left tackle in the NFL. But he had the versatility to kick inside. He showed he handled that well down at Senior Bowl week. Dante Scarnecchia loved him. He thought some of the you know criticism of him not being long enough to play left tackle you know was a little bit overblown. He pointed at Matt Light, for example, who also had short arms, but was a Pro Bowl player at left tackle for the Patriots. And so you lose a guy like that who they were looking to be probably their swing tackle type guy, but he could also fill it on the, in the interior as well. Maybe push at that right tackle spot, given Marcus Cannon's got some lingering issues. So you're losing a guy that was going to be an impact player for you. So there's that aspect to it. But there's going to be a trickle-down effect here throughout the rest of this roster because now you're looking at they might have to keep an extra offensive lineman as a result. Because of his versatility, they could have used him to fill two slots, interior or on the tackle spot. But now you might have to keep a guy like, say, a Ted Karras who can play inside as well as a Adrian Waddle who can play that swing tackle role. And that might cost you a roster spot at other positions, like say, you know, running back where they're got a lot of numbers in there, wide receiver where there's guys like Eric Decker who might be on the outside looking in of a roster spot. Now it might make it tougher for him to make the team or even position like say linebacker where with the emergence of Juwan Bentley, this rookie out of Purdue who seems to be making a play for the yeah. started middle linebacker spot, a guy like a Landon Roberts who had been holding down that role for New England, he might face a numbers crunch because of this. So you've got the immediate impact at losing a potentially impact rookie offensive lineman as well as the trickle down effect where if you have to keep an extra lineman as a result another position might face an even bigger numbers crunch my first thought on that is i hadn't thought about the whole roster crunch thing i didn't look at it that that deep but my first thought is more than just about any team in the league 
Belichick likes to keep pure special teamers. I wonder if he's to keep one less. He might. And you look at some of the special teamers, the pure special teamers on this roster, a name that comes to mind is Matthew Slater. And he's been a guy that has been your gunner on the punt team for years. He's basically a captain of this team who's been kind of one of the heart and soul players of this organization for the past couple of years. And now when you're facing a numbers crunch at the wide receiver spot, can you really free up an extra spot for your pure special team guy, like say a Matthew Slater or another route, say a Nate Ebner, who is technically a safety, but he's a pure special team or, you know, personal protector on the punt team. So that's another way. That's a great point, Matt. You might see a situation where guys that aren't as flexible might be, you know, the guys on the outside looking in. Yeah. And you mentioned that they lost win first rounder from Georgia. The other first-rounder from Georgia, I want to see him. I'm excited about Michelle. How, how do you – what's your guess on how the running back situation plays out? I mean, I think Burkhead is returned now, and he's kind of the fallback guy and could have a big year. What's your hunch there? Like, our fantasy people want to know. Yeah, and, and fantasy people probably know that it's so – incredibly hard to try to predict the Patriots running back room. And as as somebody that's been trying to do it for years, you know, first just as a fantasy player and fan and now on the guy on the inside doing it, it gets harder and harder each year. I think, you know, from what we saw from them against Philadelphia, it does seem like James White is going to be their quote unquote starter. He's the guy that's going to see, you know, the majority I'd say of touches, you know, he's going to get a ton of opportunities as a receiver. When Burkhead comes back, they're going to use him as more of a flex type guy. You might see him a lot more in the slot. So if you're at a PPR league, you know, full point PPR, that's somebody that you're probably going to want to get. You could probably get, you know, given he slid a little bit in his ADP because of this linger knee issue. As far as Michelle, you know, he's your potential do it all three down back in the, in the National Football League, which I think Belichick wanted, which I think the, the Sony Michelle pick, I think, gives us a window to life after Brady, I'd say, because when you have the ability of a back like that who can do everything, who can help you in pass game, who can help you in pass pro, that's going to ease the transition to their next quarterback if, say, it's a younger type guy, you know, a draft pick in the next year or two. And so I think that gives you a window into how they're viewing the transition to life after Brady. But I'm really excited. I'm with you. I'm really excited to see Michelle on the field because he can do it all for this team. But because of this knee issue, it might take a lot longer to see him on the field. Yeah, when they drafted him, I thought, this guy might end up with 1,400 total yards and be the man as well as mixing in Burkhead and these others. But uh, we might see that next year, not yeah, this year now. Right. Yeah. Or in the playoffs or, you know, right. the, some point that he, I know. mean, that could be the thing, you know, you get right. a fairly rested Sony Michelle on fresher legs in the playoffs. That's sometimes the kind of thing that helps a team make a deeper run. No doubt. No doubt. Last question for you. Two other former first round picks. That's been the, the, the theme here. First round picks. Here's a prediction and say, tell me if I'm crazy, but it's a huge pat on the back to Belichick and what is done in that organization. Philip Dorsett and or Corderell Patterson are going to turn into high-impact players. That's my prediction. One of those two or both. I think you've nailed it, and I I think one of them definitely will. And I think we're going to see it in Cordell Patterson, okay. you know, because I think you see what he can do on the boundary. 
you know, he can give you some of that vertical stuff, which the Patriots seem to have lost when they, you know, when they traded away Brandon Cooks. That was part of what he brought to this offense last year. Patterson can give you some of that stuff on the boundary, on those comebacks, on those vertical type routes. But what he does in the screen game as well, when you just get him the ball in space and let him make plays, we saw that against Philadelphia last Thursday night. One, you're more tunnel screen. The other, just a simple smoke screen, which he, you know, made a move of the corner and got into the end zone. That Those are the types of throws and plays that they want to use more of because it lessens the chance of a hit on Brady. And mm-hmm. let's let's not, you know, make any mistakes. Mo- no bones about it. Protecting Tom Brady and keeping him upright is job one for this team. It's probably jobs one through 15 because if they have TB12, they have a shot. They lose him. We're going to see how bad this offense could be. But when you have the, the ability to throw those smokes, throw those tunnels, get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly without exposing him to hits and still make big plays in the passing game, that's a huge bonus for this offense. And that's what Patterson brings. We saw that on Thursday night. I think he's going to be a hugely impactful player. Dorsett, maybe to a lesser extent, he's still sort of getting acclimated. But with the Julian Edelman suspension to start this season, he's going to see a ton of opportunities early. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I think what if not both of these guys will have a huge role to play for this team. Yeah, and la- my last note, and this is especially true for Patterson, slightly less, much, much less so for Dorsett, but throughout Patterson's career, everyone has said, he can't do this, he can't do this, he can't do this. Well, Belichick looks at everything the opposite. Well, he right. can do this, and he does it as well as anyone in the league, so don't ask him to do the other things. That's exactly right, Matt. That's a terrific point, and it gets to the heart of how the Patriots have been successful with their pro scouting department. Yes. It's because they identify guys like Kyle Van Noy or Marquise Flowers, who's an athletic linebacker, and they say, okay, well, maybe he's not going to be a two-down, you know, run defender, downhill thump type thumper guy, but he could be athletic and mirror quarterbacks, and so they use him to spy out a, you know, Marcus Mariota in the divisional playoff game. And I think it's a great point with Patterson. It's like, okay, don't ask him to be a precise route runner over the middle. Do the things that he does well and we could get something out of that and it's going to help our team win games mark you're the best please tell our listeners where to find you twitter all that good stuff Matt, thanks so much for having me on. Keep crushing it here at Locked On NFL. You're doing a fantastic job. Everybody can find me at Mark Schofield on Twitter. You can check out the Locked On Patriots podcast, which I'd like to tell people is probably 80% Locked On Pats and 20% Locked On Quarterbacks. So there's something for everybody on that show. But Matt, man, keep crushing it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, brother.